podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited you decided to join us. Um, before we jump in today, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the most innovative, you know, technological machine you'll ever find. And it's so easy to use. You know, we have three of them. We love them. Um, they, they, they're always, they're always giving to the community, but they're always innovating on their own, on their own products too. So go over and check them out. Mention coach unplugged and they'll give you a uh, $400 off for coach Collins. Um, and also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's got everything you need to become a better basketball coach. We always tell our players that we want them to work on their craft. Well, are you working on yours? And that's one of the ways I've worked on my craft. It's something, you know, from someone that's been, that's coaching a nationally ranked team that has won numerous state titles, that has done those things. This is what, you know, I spent several years putting this together of things that would, that I could share with the world to make coaches better. And the roadmap will take care of it and will walk you through everything you need. So go over and check it out. And just in closing, if you like this podcast, go over and check out High School Hoops. Go over and check out the 5-Minute Basketball Coaching Podcast. Go over and check out Funnel Down Defense Podcast. All of them are great. Um, and leave a five-star review. We'd love that. All right, have a great day. As long as they, I mean, again, they wanted to be around their friends. They wanted to be competitive. They like the work. You know, that they wanted to just, you know, it, it, when do you get to play with your friends? Like, you know, not that the guys in college don't become friends, but these guys have grown up since kindergarten together. So right. there's a unique, like, I, I refer to it as like a band of brothers um, thing that can happen in high school that's very unique, that you grew up with these kids, you played together, you know, you love-hate relationship kind of thing going on. Um, so I always find that really cool. But yeah, go ahead, Coach. That, I'm sorry. I mean, that's the purest – to me, that's basketball at its purest when you're able to grow up together and, and play that way. And Atlanta's the worst place I've ever seen for transfers. You know, there's some <laughs> kids who there's rules that are set in place, but it's so rampant that there's there's no governing body that could track it all. And right. yeah, um, you know, I just don't. I, I I realize that makes me an old fart, but if you can stay together and do that. I think it is much more valuable than than hopping around and trying to take the next easiest thing. I don't think I think sticking with it and, and sticking and sticking through the tough times together is way more valuable than than going to what looks like greener grass, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. As my grandfather used to say, if the grass is greener on the other side, it's cuz there's there's more fertilizer on that side. Yeah, there is. He didn't use fertilizer. He used another word. I, I'm sure he did. We'll keep it PG here. Yeah, we'll keep it. Uh, another document that I think is good here, just, again, talking about your program. You may be the only mentor they have, and, you know, uh, Coach, you know this, and, you know, I don't, I don't mind sharing it, but I just had one of my, my players during this pandemic, one of my former players from a couple of years ago, uh, commit suicide. And he was, he was engaged, had a little daughter. He was vice president of a company. And, and he had, you know, from the outside, I can't, nobody can figure out 
you know, what was so right. traumatic to him. But, you know, I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've had people call and say, listen, I'm going through this. I'm really thinking some really dark thoughts. And, you know, how bad do you feel if you find out one of your players takes their lives or harms themselves or harms right. somebody else? And, you know, we don't, some of us think it's too touchy feely to be that mentor type. But I think in this day and age, it's almost your, your duty. I think if you're going to be a coach, you, you have to be that. Uh, you can't be another negative uh, influence in their life. They're already getting enough of that from everybody else. And I think you need to be the one positive thing in their day. And I think, I think they're almost living a tougher society than you and I grew up in. Yeah. Coach, Cause the kid, I, I, I tell them all the time, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like Instagram and pinch all this stuff is like, that's, that's not reality. That's like, that's false reality. So that comparison is just one snapshot of that person's day. So, um, yeah, I, I, I 100, I mean, I'm married to a psychologist, so I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, I think that, you know, and especially with some of the kids I coach that come from some, you know, they, 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 there's some challenges in their day-to-day lives. Um, you have to be that mentor for them. Um, you know, and it's hard, it's hard right now with this disconnection. Um, to always be there for them. I miss seeing their faces. I definitely do, but go ahead, coach. Keep going. Uh, You're good. Um, Again, we coach people, not basketball. And dealing with people makes you successful. Uh, And one of the books, best books is an oldie, but How to Win Friends and Influence People is still a classic book that I think every coach should read. You know, like we've talked about a couple of times tonight, you know, we think initially that most of basketball is X's and O's, but anybody can look at fast draw and anybody can look at YouTube. That is not what makes you a coach. It's all this other stuff. And yeah. it's, and I, and I tell coaches too, and you, and you've done that. You've explained this over the last couple hours. You have to find mentors. You have to find somebody that's going to help guide you through this process. I've been very lucky. You sound like you've been lucky to have, you know, and we, we've both been successful, but it's like, I, the only reason I'm sitting here is because of other people. Other people have helped me along the way. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast is I want to give information to help other people. So I think finding mentors and people like that in your lives can help through the ups and downs too, I think, in a, in a big part. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 in my position now as a college coach, I'm, I try to help my players connect with uh, alumnus or influential people in whatever field they're studying so they can help. I, I put them with a mentor. Um, we do something called the lab and it stands for life after basketball. And we bring in speakers um, and special people that, that have, that are in whatever they want to be in eventually. And, you know, you can, do, I did that as a high school coach as well. And I just think if you're, if you're really trying to help them, um, I think that's a, a really good way to do it is, is bring in speakers and, um, bring in mentors like that. And, and I have them and, and I continue to need them. And, you know, Morgan Wooten, like I said, was, was really influential and he really didn't have anybody that he could look to at the high school level. Yeah. So he got Dean Smith and John Wooden to, and Red Auerbach 
were his mentors, some of the, the biggest names ever in basketball. Right. And, and I have my mentors come to practice. I have my mentors scout my teams. I have, I mean, I want them to do that because they're here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Well, there's a, uh, coaching group I'm on on Twitter and you know one of the guys we were talking about today you know while we have all this time where we can't do much of anything else is have your mentor watch all of your film and not just the good games right have have him watch as much film as he's willing to watch and give you feedback and tell you what he would have done and you know kind of what you missed there and just getting that out I mean, why wouldn't you do that? There's no harm in doing that. No. Uh, your your players and parents don't ever have to know that you did that, but but it makes you better. Right. Um, so I have a couple of situations here that, that a coach would deal with. Uh, number one, you know, we've all probably had this situation in high school where you hear a kid might not play this year. You know, you don't want to act or react to that. When kids are doing that, they just want the attention. And really, my my perspective has been it's not a required course. It's an elective. And would you really want to depend on a kid like that in a last-second situation? Um, Never beg a kid to play. I promise you, it never, ever works out. And there's always that that fool's gold, I like to call it, where we're just sure that we're the one that can reach this kid and change this kid. But if a kid has a demonstrated um, attitude like that, you know, a horse, a horse is not going to change. A zebra is not going to change its stripes. And, you know, don't beg a kid. That, that is, I put that first for a reason. Yes. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I mean, I've had, I mean, my, my, one of my state championships games too, kid played division one football, wasn't going to come out his senior year, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I didn't ask him. Then we went in and winning, ended up winning the state title that year and triple overtime. And I still remember him after we won. He goes, Coach, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. I go, it's like, well, life will be okay. You'll be fine. Yeah. But it's like, um, no, it never works out. First of all, basketball is too long of a season. Like, yeah. if, they're, if their heart's not in it, then, yeah, you can't, you know. I, yeah. I, I agree. I'm glad it, I hear someone else say yeah. that. Because I've had battles with my assistant coaches. Oh, you should go talk to him. You should. It's like, well, if he wants to come out, he'll come out. Like, yeah. It's addition by subtraction, and, you know, just think if you're the player on that team, how important you feel if your coach is constantly focused on who is not there. And as a coach, you always want to be where your feet are and just coach who you have, not who you don't have. That's really controlling the controllables. And I agree. That's really all you can control. I talked a little bit about the administration at the beginning, and let me just get a little bit more into that. Um, you need to know who can fire you. And <laughs> all of us have all of us have different people, whether it's a board run school or the district superintendent, maybe it's the athletic director. Every situation's different. And so when you're when you're going into a job, you need to know all these things. Who can fire you? You need to know what their definition of success is because it may not be yours. Maybe it is simply wins and losses and championships and if if that's the case then you have to schedule completely different you know i've won seven championships but if you look at my win list loss record it's boo-boo but the reason it's not very good 
is because I play a lot of tough teams and because I, I, I'm always looking towards the end. But my right. win-loss records in season and out of season is nothing to be proud of. But I've had administrators who understood that what I was doing in October and November was going to pay dividends in, in April and March. Right. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep them informed. Try to meet with them for 10 minutes every week. And that's that's saying what's going well. That's saying what you need. That's thanking them for what they've already provided. You know, thank you goes a, a long way. And sometimes you have to search for things to be thankful for. But if you put yourself in the administrator's spot and he's got X amount of dollars to dole out, is he going to give that to the person that complained all the time or the person that said thank you all the time? And just be smart. That's the squeaky wheel getting the grease, but the squeaky wheel is, is a good wheel. You're not being annoying. You're, you're being uh, the kind of person that he wants to see all the time. And again, it's very hard for administration to build negative momentum or listen to parents or anything like that if you're meeting with them and you're taking the initiative to do that. And I know very few coaches who take the initiative to do that themselves. They wait or they try to avoid the administration. And I just, I just don't think that's smart. If you're in a position where you need to avoid the administration, then, then your, your ship has already sunk, buddy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, I think it also goes back to, I, I'd rather, I'm going to I'd rather press you than sit back and let you dictate to me. It's a right. similar in that situation is I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to talk to the people I need to talk to. I'm going to tell them what's going on. I'm going to tell them pluses. So I think that's a, that, if you need to think of it in terms of, for the young coaches, think of it in terms of coaching, don't sit back and wait for you to be down 15 points. Um, you know, be the, tend to be the aggressor. And it, yeah, it goes back to a point you made 20 minutes ago. Communication on the court is just as, is as important as communication off the court. Um, yeah. it, it solves most problems in life, to yeah. be honest with you. Every human relationship requires communication, and it's no different with, with your administrator, with you. And right. so in this, um, you know, I was fortunate to have my last headmaster had been – he had been a college basketball coach, so I didn't have to go through all of this stuff with him. Right. But my previous, my previous principal – um, had only ever been involved in fine arts and he knew nothing about sports, but he listened to people. And so I explained to him what a good shot was. I explained what I'm doing on defense. Um, you know, then I tell my players what to say. I tell them what a good shot is, what to say on defense. I tell them what they're supposed to say to their teachers, what to ask their teachers. I give my administration traits of a successful athlete at the beginning of, of every season. And I give them my agenda. I give them all the handouts that I give the parents. So the parents are never surprising them with anything. And so if I'm telling them that I'm, there's going to be a cost, you know, especially when it comes to team camp in the summer or, you know, anything else, they don't need to find that out from a parent. They need to find that out from me. And so I want them to have everything that the parents have and you know what they do with it is up to them. But if you do your job and you give them all that stuff, then I think you've done everything that you can do. And if you end up getting canned from that job, you can look in the mirror and know that you, you got canned on your own terms. You didn't right. get canned on their terms. Right. So I think you want to, if you coach long enough, 
you know, I've never been fired, but I have seen the handwriting on the wall. Right. And uh, I think you just learn a lot of these things. I learned these things by experience. And so I'm trying to help somebody not have to go through a tough time to learn this stuff. Right. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, learn, learn from, learn some from some old porch dogs, man. Like, trust me. It, it, yeah. Um, playing time. We all have to deal with that. And this is probably, this may be the most valuable aspect of, of this program stuff. You know, I think of it as preventative medicine and I told you I would get around to the meetings that I have. So I have preseason and postseason. And so preseason for high school coaches, for me, that's shortly after the school year starts, we talk about whether we're going to be in a fall league, what preseason conditioning is, all that kind of stuff, and what they're expected to do. Uh, postseason's kind of the same thing. Uh, then I would have one at the beginning of the season. This, this is not all with parents, by the way. Uh, the pre and the post were with parents and, and kids. Uh, beginning of the season with the kids. Uh, end of summer, I would try to have one during the season. I didn't include that, but you know, at the college level, I meet with my players every week because it's different than high school. I don't see them as often. And I don't want, you know, if they're having problems at home or financially or with their girlfriend or in a class, I don't want to find that out too late because all of that affects their basketball. And right. so, you know, we meet, we meet all the time. And, and again, I don't think you can over meet. I would say you at least need to do these in, in some form or fashion. And so what do you talk about? I talk about personal, I talk about academics, and sometimes I do talk about basketball. But like the meetings I have in college, when we're meeting in one-on-one, the only thing, the only rule I have for the meeting and, and I give to my assistant coaches is we divide our team up evenly and then we rotate through the year which six or seven guys we have. And so we really get into their lives. And we're not allowed to talk basketball in those meetings. But in high school, I did. Um, and so praise first. You can critique a little bit, but you talk about a praise sandwich. Give way more praise than you're giving critiques. Frame it as this is what you need to do for improvement and more playing time. Uh, tell what skills they need and how those skills need to be developed. I think of it as a doctor. A doctor doesn't just tell you what's wrong and say, good luck. A doctor right. tells you he diagnoses the problem and he tells you the steps, the medicine that you need or the surgery that you need to fix it. And I think coaches stop short a lot of times and just saying, you're really, really bad at this. And yeah. they, don't, they don't give their kids a chance to fix it. And, you know, when you were a kid, you know, if a coach, if you have something wrong with your shot, you know, a coach would tell you to get against the wall and fix your shot. That helps you keep your elbow in. Right. You know, just, just, you know, frame the conversation again in helping them meet the, what their commitment statement is and what they need to do. Uh, I've already told you what I did for academics and how I tried Yeah, that. but it's an improvement plan is what I refer to yeah. it as. Here's your right. improvement plan. Like, you're not where you need to be. I run a talented and gifted program for basketball players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so here's what you need to do to improve to get be able to play on the court. I mean, that's what I, I always think of it in terms of an improvement plan. Like, a, how can I help you improve? How can I get you better so maybe you can play? That's um, good. Yeah. You know, personal, you know, I already did that with that 5-H's activity where I find out what's going on. I've done that in the preseason. 
but you need to constantly ask and you don't, you know, we all know who we can ask a little bit more personal questions with and who doesn't want that. But really all you want them to know is that you care about that stuff. And if they ever need to talk to you, they can, you don't necessarily need to fish for information. And I think one of the most important questions you can ask is why are you playing basketball? What is your why? Because your why informs how you do everything else. And I've been amazed at the answers that I've gotten. And so what we do, um, most of my players, I, I have them bring in, and most of them it's for their family member or maybe it's for somebody who already passed away or something like that. And they have to bring in a, a picture of whatever that is, and we keep it in a box. And whenever we're not playing up to a certain level, you know, I just bring that out. And, you know, it goes with us on road trips and everything. And, you know, this is your why. Whenever you don't feel like doing something, this is why you're doing it. There's a lot of people that are looking to you and expecting you to play at a certain level, and you don't want to let them down. You know, you're always playing for something bigger than yourself. Yes. Dealing with parents. Like I said before, what people are not up on, they are down on. And so, you know, you know Bobby Knight used to say the best coaching job was at an orphanage. Right. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. You were, you were not wrong about that. But, you know, I think there's a lot you can do to lay the, the groundwork to have allies. And, you know, Again, communication is what I'll talk about now, but I'll, I'll give a couple of points on what I think you can do to gain allies. But, you know, you want to communicate all your practice times for the year, your travel times, both when you expect to get home and, and get back from away games, all the cell phone numbers that you need. You know, we were I had in high school, I had a, a, a complete parents group chat. And a, and a player's group chat and to help if there was ever any changes due to weather or whatever. Right. A packet with your personal letter and your philosophy. You want everybody to have that in your hand. Um, tell them in that packet and in person where, where you see their son as a player right now. I think, you know, any coach worth his salt cannot hide behind that kind of stuff. You need to be able to have that conversation and, you need to be able to give them hope and say this is what they need to do to be able to have more playing time. And I think if you can't do that, then all you're doing is creating more problems for yourself the longer you keep stringing somebody along. And I think you need to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, tell the player the worst news first and then give them, give them your best hope, you know. Right. I, I think sometimes kids – I realize more and more kids just want you to be blunt and honest. They don't want you to hem and haw around it. They just want to get to the meat of it and get it over with. They would just rather know the truth. I talk about truth or harmony when I talk to my kids. Do you want truth or you want harmony? Right. Like, like if you come to me and go, you know, what's wrong with what's wrong with my shot? I would say tr truth would be, well, your elbow's sticking out, your feet aren't quite squared. Harmony would be, oh, you're the best shooter in the world. Don't worry about it. Keep shooting, blah, blah, blah. So I would say truth or harmony. And you know what? I get 95% of the time they'll say truth, coach. I want truth. I go, perfect. Here's the truth, you know. Um, you know, 
you can always lead and the positive is obviously very important too but sometimes they want they they want you to be honest and truthful with them they do they really do yeah um and so some ideas i've had for dealing you know i, I really haven't had a ton of problems with parents and you know we all think of the worst case scenario and i would say most of the time that doesn't happen but you know, it doesn't a, it doesn't i and i think you and i haven't because we communicate right so I, from some from from the coaches i've helped a lot of them have had problems because they're they're trying to bunker down and don't bunker down yeah. that's not going to solve the problem the no. problem is not going away yeah it's not us versus them we're we're all in this together and you know if you say that your program is a family well then it, it has to be you can't right <laughs> you can't say it and then keep their family out of it so like i've had i've had a couple of dads who have played you know college or professionally and they really wanted to give their input and so right. what i've done you know i i have my practices closed that's that's not a that's not negotiable i i feel like that's my classroom and if parents can't walk into a classroom whenever they want, then I don't allow them to walk into my practice whenever they want. Um, but, you know, during games, you know, I've given, even if I already have a guy, I have them get another angle with, I have two iPads, everybody's got an iPhone, and I just have them film right. um, in high school. <laughs> or I have them, I've honestly, I'm not kidding when I say this, people think it's hilarious, but I've said, man, I've got a scout that I really need to see and they play the same night as tonight. Would you mind going and scouting that game for right. me? And you would be surprised, you know, it's just finding them a way to make your ally and it doesn't have to be confrontational. Right. But, you know, you can have them be at the scorer's table or, uh, you know, do a bunch of different things where you're not trying to get rid of them. It can be a real value for you. Maybe they can stat something that you can't stat on the bench, but you know, you would be surprised. All they really want to know is that people see them as they know a lot about basketball. They're very valuable, whatever. And you're really helping their ego. And it, it really can help you too. You, you both can win if you think of a way to do it. It's trying to find that win-win. Right. Try to find the win-win is what I say. Yes. Everyone wins. Yeah. All right. So I have the problem player. At some point, we all have a problem player. And I, I have here, it's the when guy. It's not if he messes up, but, but when he messes up. Um, and so what I do is I have the player come in and repeat verbally what the consequence of messing up again will be. So they have to say it to me so I know that they know it. You know, it's not me saying it to them. They already right. know what the consequence will be. And so I make them say that verbally. I notify both the parent and the administration that we just had that and that he said it to me verbally. And then if it happens again, then that last meeting is short and easy. You know, I was a principal before, and if I ever had to let a teacher go, I couldn't surprise that teacher and say, man, you sucked all year. I'm getting rid of you. I've, right. I've had evaluations. We've had conversations. I've given them chance to improve. But you can't, um, you know, if it's if a choice is between one individual and the team, that decision was made a long time ago. And if you talk about that in your preseason meeting, if after you have the first problem, you let the parent and the administration know, if you have another problem, nobody can blame you for getting rid of a kid at that point. Um, dealing with the media, 
and write, I would include social media on this. Yeah. My guys are really good with that. Um, always talk about we, not me, and speak about the assist leaders, the rebounders, the defenders. The scorers get their reward in the game. They get all the notoriety already. And if you can get those guys to really praise in post-game interviews or on social media, all the people that did the little things, that just builds great team unity. And it really makes them realize how much – it makes you realize – them realize how much all the little things really matter. Yeah. Treatment of officials, I think that's an important thing to talk about um, when building your program. Uh, I've been an official, and so I came up with some of this stuff. Uh, they are human beings, and they don't like to be shown up. And so when you're acting a fool, whether I'm, t I'm talking whether you're a parent or a coach, whatever you say to them, you can say they're a professional, they're getting paid, they need to do a job. But, you know, if it comes down to a controversial call, as a human, what are you more, more likely to do? The guy who's been making you look like an idiot or the guy who's been treating you with respect? Which one are you more likely to, right. to give a call to? Um, no retaliation or verbal expression. I think what you do um, a little bit, your guys, what, what you do in moderation, your guys do a lot. And so if you retaliate and you have a verbal expression to everything, then your guys really get into that. And every second that they're focusing on the past, they're not pro focusing on the present. There's nothing you can do. You just want to have that next play mentality. Um, if the ball goes out of bounds, whether it's us or the other team, I always have my guys go chase that ball and sprint and hand it to the ref. It's just, you know, it's, it's another thing where the refs notice that. Um, my players always have to have their shirts tucked in in practice because I don't want a referee to ever tell us in a game that to tuck our shirts in because the ref just thinks that that team has a lack of discipline. Right. Um, everything is that. yes, sir. No, sir. Um, do your players know the rules? I have, I did this in high school and I do it now in college, but I have a college official come during our preseason, watch one of our inner squad scrimmages, go over rule changes with the guys and, you know, I don't want my guys questioning something during a game and not knowing that, you know, when they can enter a lane off of a free throw or. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, make sure if you want to hear more, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you want to hear other podcasts, go over and check out High School Hoops and Teacher Side Gig by Coach Collins. And subscribe, like, review all of them. Five-star reviews would be nice. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.